All right, if y'all would, y'all stand with me. We will get started. Stand with me. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to read from verse 32 to 36. Mark 14, verse 32 through 36. Now, before we do get started, I do want to say, welcome to our family out in Fairview. Amen? So welcome them with a big round of, because I promise you, what you don't know here is that we get loud with y'all right out there. Every time you're clapping, we're clapping. You hear an amen? I'm surprised you can't hear it from out there. So everything that y'all are doing here, we're trying to do that and maybe a little louder out there if we can, just so y'all can hear it here. But thank you, Fairview. I'm glad you guys are here. And I love, love the church out at Fairview. I love them. All right, so we're going to start Mark 14, chapter 14, verses 32 through 36. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Unto death tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy on us, Lord. Thank you for where we are tonight instead of where we could be. Lord, thank you for your son that died on a cross so that we didn't have to. And Father, I just pray that you give me exactly what I stand in need of right now. I pray that you open every heart, you open every mind, help us glean, help us get just exactly what you want us to get tonight out of this message. And Father, I pray that you give me exactly what I need to say. And like Brother Malcolm says, don't let me say nothing I don't need to. Lord, help me remember everything that you want me to, to tell everybody else. But Father, most of all, we all do this to honor you, to glorify you. And we have to remember the main thing, it's all about you. Lord, we want to make it about us. It's nothing to do with us. It's all to do for you. Father, I pray that you help us. You bless us. You be with us. Lord, we just pray this in a holy, powerful, mighty Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all sit down. Whew. So not too long ago, there was a pastor that he noticed a little boy was standing in a church foyer and was looking up at this plaque. It was hanging up on the wall, had a bunch of names and stuff on it, had a couple of flags on each side of the thing. And the boy was just standing there staring at it. So the pastor walked over to him and said, good morning, Johnny. Johnny looked at him and said, good morning, pastor. They looked at the plaque for a little bit. Johnny said, what's this about? And the pastor said, well, son, this plaque is to commemorate all those who died in the services. Johnny looked at it, looked back at the pastor. He said, which one, the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? There we go. All right. Loosen up a little bit. That was more for me than y'all. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Look, I just want to set the table just a little bit. Before we get going too far in this, just set the table. Those verses that we just read, that describes Jesus. Right after his last supper, he washed the disciples' feet. They sang a hymn is what the Bible says. They sang a hymn, and then they went out to the garden. The Garden of Gethsemane, in the garden. That's where Jesus is asking them, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? As a matter of fact, y'all sit here, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to pray. But he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further with him. said, y'all here, just sit here. Tarry with me, just for a little while. Watch. He's asking his friends, he's asking his life group, is exactly what they were. 
his life group, to pray with him. To pray with him. Sit here for just a little while. Pray with me. Y'all, I've got a, fesh, a, a confession to make. I love the Lord. I love Christ with everything in me. I love the fact that he stood in my place. I love the fact that he died for my sins. I love the fact that he loves us more than we can love ourselves sometimes. But I tell you what, I deal still, knowing all of that, with overwhelming anxiety. In our message tonight, I'm going to be talking about relief from anxiety. How we can look at what Christ did in his life to teach us how we can do exactly what he wanted us to do and the way he did it. All right? So we're going to look at this. Some of y'all may be able to relate to some anxiety tonight. Some of y'all may be able to relate to a job going bad. Doing something that, hmm, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I did it on my own accord, right? And now you're paying for the, the consequences of making a bad choice. We all have done that, every one of us. Now, like I said, I'm the campus pastor at Fairview, but that's not always been my job. I drove a truck for almost 10 years. 10 years, not able to come to Wednesday night services, not able to come and, and, and be what, where I thought I needed to be. And that messed with me, y'all. That messed with me just a little bit. It gave me a little bit of anxiety issues. Gave me a little bit of like, man, I'm just missing out a little bit. I really want to just do what God's calling me to do. For years and years, Travis could tell you, years, wanting to do something else. It set up a little bit of anxiety. Well, let me go a little bit further back. A little bit of my story. When I was a young kid, I had a really bad dad, abusive dad. One of those that throw stuff at you, yell at you, you know, you kind of tiptoe through the house. It's better to be seen and not heard. If you're lucky, you're not even seen. That, I mean, that stacks up a lot of anxiety. He passed away when I was 10. Started drinking. Started doing drugs. That packs up a whole lot more of anxiety. I went to the army, thought everything was going to be better. Nah. Packing up more anxiety, going through dumb stuff, doing just idiotic stuff. Packs on more and more and more. And then I went through a stint of living on the streets, living in a tent, living in cars, living on people's couches. That packs up a lot more anxiety. So by the time it's all said and done and I'm standing here in front of you today, I'm broken. But God... I'm broken, but he's not. I'm full of anxiety, but God. And I want to share with you all tonight the steps that we can look at, that we can take to see how Jesus dealt with anxiety, and he taught us to do the same thing. Does it work perfect every time? No, not at all. But there is a way. If we are willing to follow what he said, there is a way. Sometimes, when I was in those tents, I wanted to find something just to escape reality. Sometimes, we find ourselves sitting in our house, looking at all our stuff, and we want to escape reality. Sometimes, we find ourselves at a dealer's house, looking for something to escape reality, because of all the anxiety that we have in our life, all the stuff that we've done bad in our life. Mine was all the stuff that I could see that haunted my dreams, that haunted my daytime, that haunted from nightmares. And then just every day you wake up and the devil's just like, you remember when you did, man, you remember when you did, boy, I, I wonder how that person even thinks about you nowadays. Those kind of things will give you anxiety. Those kind of things. Think about this. What about during COVID, right? You don't know if your, your parents or your uncles, or your aunts, or your neighbors, if they're going to make it through, it's going to give you anxiety. You don't know how your bills are going to be paid because they got laid off of work. What's going to happen? It's going to give you anxiety. As a matter of fact, there was a poll that was done by the Association of Psychology. Uh, it's called the APA. They did a poll back in 2008... And they were talking to all the people that were polled about their anxiety, about their issues. 
about their problems. And there was only like 8.2% of the people that they polled that really said, ah, my anxiety had a problem with my relationship or it ended a relationship. Well, come 2019, 2020, it was over 59% of the people that they polled said it ended relationships. It ended their quality of life. It messed with how they functioned day in and day out. I want you all to think about how much our society and everything that we go through, it affects your every day. Think about that. So while I'm talking about this, I want you to think about that. Now, I got saved here. 2008, I got saved right here. 2008, I know for sure that I got saved. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I still have problems with anxiety. I'm still dealing every day with anxiety. And then I hear a lot of people, they're going to tell me things, and they have told me things like, bless God if you just believed more. Bless God if you just prayed more. Well, bless God... You should be anxious for nothing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Philippians 4, 4 through 6, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. What does that say? Don't be anxious. Right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that with thanksgiving, let your request be, na- be made unto God, The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That part right there, be anxious for nothing, has almost made me want to turn around and walk away. Because people say it. Some have said it in such a loving, like, okay, gosh, I get where you're coming from. But some other people, and these are the ones that stick out more than the loving ones, will look at you like, you should be anxious for nothing, because you're a pastor. You shouldn't have problems. Those are the ones that are like, you know what? I don't even want to mess with it. And it has me asking, God, is that even possible? With stuff that we all, everybody in here, deals with day in, day out, you're going to feel a little bit of anxiety somewhere throughout your day, whether it's crippling or it's a little bit of uneasiness whether it's something that's going to absolutely make you not want to get out of the car or it's something that just makes you uncomfortable. God, is it even possible? Does it, I mean, yeah, it's it's in the Bible, so it's got to be possible, right? But when people tell you with that kind of heart, it makes it hard to swallow. So things like that, that makes me cringe just a little bit. Anybody ever had that conversation? Yeah, you've ever heard something like that? Maybe some of us have had issues. Like I said, during COVID, caused some anxiety in your life. Dealing with job loss, dealing with sickness, just the unknown. Here's another one. What about politics? Yeah. Uh, And it don't matter if you're on the right side or the left side or the right side and the left side. Doesn't matter. It's all messed up. Messed up. It's going to give you a little bit of anxiety. How about society? We live in a world where anything can go. Boys are girls. Girls are boys. Men are women. Women are men. Cats are dogs. Dogs are cats. I'm just, you know, it's weird. It's just different. But mention the name of God in public. Mention the name of Jesus outside of these walls. Mention the name of going to church. Man, ain't nothing but hypocrites in the church. You're right. We all are, right? But here's where we come, supposed to be a hospital. But we tell people, well, you just don't have enough faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just don't have enough faith. So what do we do with that? Let's look at what Christ did. Let's look at what he did. So now that I've got everybody good, stressed out, (laughs) anxiety-ridden, so let's find out what he did, all right? Now, like I said, the American, here we go, the American Psychological Association, the APA, conducted a poll of people, and 58% reported they were experiencing relationship strain or even end as a result of the conflicts resulting from COVID-19. I understand anxiety is a real problem. I get it. It's a real issue 
that affects a lot of us in different ways. In prayer meeting this morning, somebody asked me what I was going to be preaching on. I said anxiety. Four heads in the place went, really? (laughs) It's a problem. Everybody has it. But we look at it as taboo. Like, oh, I, I, no, I can't have any problem. No, mm-mm, I am too blessed to be stressed. I can't be doing that. No. <clears throat> you realize in the church, it's some of the biggest liars. You ask somebody on Sunday morning, hey, how are you? Like, Man, I am doing great. Praise God. Hallelujah. And knowing they're about to get evicted out of their house. Wednesday night, man, how are you? Well, I'm doing just fine. Woo, I'm doing good. Right? Their electricity just got turned off that morning. Serious stuff. But what are we going to tell each other? When we're supposed to be encouraging each other, we tell each other, man, it's okay. I'm good. I'm all right. I don't need, well, I don't need connecting into a life group. I don't need anybody else to know my problems. I don't need, my pride is so big that I don't need anybody else to worry about me. That's what we tell people day in, day out. Week in, week out. What are we supposed to be doing, y'all? Not that. Not that. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to edify each other. Bring each other up. And we can't do that if we're faking it. If we're not honest with each other. We can't do it. It just doesn't happen. So I understand anxiety is a real problem. I want to bring a word of hope tonight. And a word of encouragement. And I want to pray that this will build your faith. So let's talk about it. I know that this is a very complex issue. It's complex. Like I said, there's two, there's a spectrum. You think of zero being on this side and a hundred being on this side. Every person in here is on some point of that spectrum. Whether it's, I don't have any worries in the world and you really mean it, or I don't even know how I'm going to take my next breath, much less make it on the gas that I don't have in my car. I mean, it's one point to the other. It's a real problem. I'm not an expert. First and foremost, I do not know what's going on in your life. I cannot fix you. Sometimes we have to go to a doctor. Sometimes we have to go to a professional so that they can get, maybe change your diet for you. Maybe they can give you some supplements. Maybe they can help you in, in just counseling and therapy. That's a possibility. Ask me how I know. It's a possibility that could help you. But I don't want to talk about that because I'm not trained in that. What I want to talk about is the spiritual side. Not the side that the doctors and stuff, I don't have that hanging on my wall. But the spiritual side we can talk about, okay? So, spiritually, spiritually, we all experience anxiety on some level. All of us are in different points. Some of us have an occasional, like I said, the minor sense of anxiety that's just a little bit. Some of us are so socially awkward, we shut down when we're around other people because of anxiety issues. Some of us don't want to sit halfway up in the front of the church because we have so much anxiety and it makes a heart race thinking that other people can see what's going on. It just, it makes a a big difference. It's hard to understand. And anybody that doesn't have that problem, you're probably looking at me like, what's the problem? Go sit up front. I don't see a problem with that. With some people, they can't even, like, pick their feet up to walk towards the front of the church because it's so crippling. That's what I mean. There's one side of the spectrum to the other. We don't know what somebody else is going through. So I want you to to, to think about this. Everybody has one person. You have one person that you see, good grief, they're calling me again. Oh, my goodness, they're texting me again. Oh, my goodness, I think Jalen may have one of them. He'd share with everybody if they wanted. I'm just saying, I have a few myself. If you don't have any, I will share. All right. But we all have those that, what are they about to say? What's going to be the problem? What's going to be the issue? Can you understand where I'm coming from? Everybody has anxiety of some kind, somewhere, some point, you're going to have anxiety in your life. So when you finally get the courage to talk back, when you finally get the courage to like, I really don't want to answer this, but I'm going to answer it. 
And then you type in, yeah, sorry, Mr. Call. And you see the little bubbles. You know the little bubbles when you're texting, right? And they're typing and they're typing. And it's like, good Lord, it's been 15 minutes and they're still typing. And then you see nothing. They don't respond. You're like, now what have I got to do? You, know, you don't respond. But yet, then you call and you check on them. What have you done? You've worked up in your mind a whole different scenario of what's going on where they just want to say, hey. That's anxiety. That's exactly what that is. You've worked up all this thing in your mind, all this big stuff, when they just like, i just checking on you, see how you doing. Want to see, you know, how your mom and them, all, how's everybody, you know? So we need to understand that anxiety not only is physical, it's psychological, it's emotional, and it's situational. All of those, you don't know what somebody else is going through. Somebody else that's behind you in line and you don't want to talk to them because, man, they look just mean. Maybe they're having a bad day. Where you could say, man, good morning. How are you? It's good to see you. What's your name? Just a little bit of that. How does that affect you? How does that affect you? Like everybody, see? I mean, like half the people in here are smiling because they know it's going to put a smile on somebody's face. Right? We have to kind of overcome a little bit with those, those things. But I want you to see that it's also spiritual. It's spiritual. Let me say this up front. If you're dealing with anxiety issues, it would be wise to talk to your doctor about it. I don't want anybody thinking that I'm counseling whatsoever. I'm just trying to show you what Jesus did. So if you're a Christian, you've probably told yourself, if I'm anxious, then I'm sinning. Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. I failed God. I've been saved since 2008. And I still deal with crippling, and I'm telling y'all, I'll get to that in a little bit, crippling anxiety. Stuff that just, it's just not normal. But if you're a true Christian, you wouldn't have that problem. How many of you told yourself that? How many of you, how many of you that you told yourself that it's a sin because I have anxiety issues? Let me tell you, it's not a sin because it's an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Anger. And what I mean, it's an emotion. And Paul says, what do you say about anger? In Ephesians 4.26, he says, be angry and sin not. Let the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger is just an emotion. Just like feeling anxiety. Feeling anxious is an emotion. They both can lead to sin. If you let it, but it's just an emotion. Anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. Please get that. Anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. It's an emotion. And it's what we do with it that creates the sin issue. Okay? So don't let it lead your life. Don't let it be, okay, this is how I feel today, so this is what I'm going to do. And I'm hoping we can get to the bottom of this and we can get some comfort from it. We can see that Jesus dealt with anxiety as well. How did Jesus respond? Because the man was going through some stuff. He was overwhelmed with anxiety. He's going to give us a clue on how we can do the same thing, how we can respond spiritually when we feel anxious. What did Jesus do when he felt overwhelmed? How did Jesus respond when he had so much overwhelming anxiety that he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. That's a heavy load, y'all. That's a heavy load. He said, my soul is so overwhelmed. What did he do? Jesus started talking. When that anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. I want you to look at the three ways that we can do the talking back as well. We can talk back. So everybody can find relief from anxiety when we follow the steps that Christ laid out. Number one, he talked to his friends. He talked to his friends. When did he talk to his friends? A, when he was overwhelmed. Mark 14, 32 and 33. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said unto his disciples, sit ye here 
while I shall pray. And he taketh with them Peter and James and John, here we go, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Y'all, talk to people who love you. Talk to people who care about you. We see here that Jesus told his friends, my soul is heavy. His disciples are technically, that's his life group. And why am I connecting this to life group? What do we just go through? Life group connect, right? I want y'all to think about this on the same lines. If you are not connected in a life group, you probably want to think twice about it. Because I can tell you story after story over the past 10, 11 years that we've been in life groups, oh my goodness, that there are times in a life group that if I wasn't in a life group, I probably wouldn't be here. Honestly, I'm telling you, a life group can be the, the good or the bad, can come down to a point that I don't know what else to do, but I can talk to my friends. They can help me. Time and time again, this has happened. I've seen it happen. There's personal testimonies of it happening, you know, I mean, day in, day out, all the time over the years. All right? But Jesus, Jesus took his disciples to the garden, and he said, sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John just a little further. Jesus started to feel deeply distressed and troubled. You ever had that feeling? You ever had that feeling of, oh, my goodness, I don't know what's about to happen. That feeling of not knowing what's going to happen in a situation. What are they going to do? How is this person going to react? What are they going to say? All of that. Have you ever felt that? This thing goes a little bit deeper. The feeling of not knowing. How is this thing I'm facing at work? That overwhelming sense of trouble that he must have been feeling at that point in time was crushing him. Crushing him. So we look at verse 34. Jesus talked to his friends, right? B, he talked to them when he needed help. When he needed help. Verse 34, he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Christ needed his people not only to pray for him, but to pray with him. There is a big difference. So it's all so... Put like this, though, I want you to think of what Christ was going through. The crushing agony that he had to deal with. The dread that he knew what was coming. So much so that his sweat turned into drops of blood. That's how crushing, of overwhelming feeling that he had. He knew he was about to get arrested. He knew he was about to get tortured. And he knew he was about to go to the cross. He knew it. He was going to die the most brutal death that could be imagined. A crucifixion. Crucifixion. We get our word excruciating from that word. Excruciating. means It comes from crucifixion. It means ex or out of. So it's out of the cross. One of the most painful ways to die. What makes this even worse is that he didn't do anything to earn that. We did. He didn't do a thing in the world except take it on his own shoulders. He became sin, the one who knew no sin. He's the one that did it. Now really think about this. All of the hatred, and we can hate some people. I know y'all are more spiritual. Brother Malcolm says it all the time, so I got to believe it. But the (laughs) hatred that we have to people, right? Just the anger that we can have towards people. How about all the shame All the lying, all the corruption, politics, all of that stuff, murder, rape, abuse, greed, anything you can think of. He took that on himself. He took it so we didn't have to. He took it. We did the messing up, but he's the one that paid for it. All of that was on him at the time of him going to the cross. He became... All of that sin. And what did he do? He's looking to his father. Because he's in agony. He's looking to God himself. To help me. What does God do? Now that he's got all this sin on his back. On his shoulders. God had to turn around. 
I can't even look at you right now. I can't. God will not look at sin. He will not look on sin. That had to be the most painful thing Christ had to go through. Despite the torture. Despite people jerking out his beard. Spitting on him. Cussing him. Calling him all kinds of stuff. Knocking him down. Throwing rocks at him. All of that. But what got him is when God turned his back. You notice, there's not one time he said a word. Until God turned his back. Not one time did he cry out. Until God turned his back. So because God couldn't look on that sin... Jesus cries out, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? Why are you turning your back on me? Why did you forsake me? Jesus is saying, God, where are you? Why have you left me? We see that Jesus sinks down even more to the depths of the sinkhole of that dreadful agony. He sinks down at the beginning of this. I want you to look at his honesty. He was talking to his friends, his honesty. What he was talking to them about was how his soul was feeling. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the only time, like I said, he cried out, he cried out for his father on the cross. The only time. Jesus didn't, (laughs) like I was just saying, like coming in here, telling everybody everything's great. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Too blessed to be stressed. Jesus didn't do none of that. Not one bit. He was just honest. Honest. Folks, this is what I'm going through. Can you pray with me? Fellas, come with me. I need you. Life group, I'm having a hard time. Pray with me. I'm saying that's the first step in dealing with your anxiety is talking to your friends. And it works. It works. There's many people in here that can tell you and attest that it works. Talk to your friends. Mark 14, 34. This is Christ again. He saith to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. So Jesus is saying, This is what I'm going through, and I really need you to pray with me. And I'm convinced that some of you, especially if you're watching online, you're missing some of that. You're feeling anxious because you're missing the church community. You're feeling anxious because you're missing fellowship. You're feeling anxious because you have been disconnected to the point of almost dying. Soul-wise, spirit-wise, you're having problems. And you're not being connected to anybody to help you with that. You're friends. And you're wondering why is life like it is. We've got to stay connected. We have to. We're missing out on the surrounding love of others in the faith. We're missing out on all of that. We're missing out. We're lacking the bond that comes from attending church regularly. And it's not coming to church for the pat on the back. No, it is the church that will help you in times of crisis. The church will help you. I used to look for a network of people when I got out of the army and thought I would never find that brotherhood again. Well... It's right here. It is in the church itself. The network of the brotherhood that I have been missing for many years, I have found right here. Right here. And if you're watching online and you're not here and you only watch it when you feel like it, you only watch it every now and again, you're missing out on more than you'll ever understand. Ever understand. So people say, I'm just too busy to attend church. I've just I got too much going on to attend church. i got too much stuff happening. I just can't do it. Like I said, I drove a truck for almost 10 years. Wednesday nights, I get it. I was out of town six days a week. I get it. But I was here on Sundays. I was here on Sundays. Because I got a quote. It's in my office right now. It's up on my whiteboard from Zig Ziglar. Lack of time is not the problem. Lack of direction is the problem. What's your problem? Where are you? Where are you? Lack of direction is the problem. Where's your direction at tonight? You're missing out on the people that's going to lift you up. You're going to miss out on the strength that's there for you when you're feeling weak. 
You're missing out on the ways people just come around you and love on you. We're missing out. Just something to think on, something to contemplate. If you're not in the life group, I suggest you sign up. We need people around us that will pray when we need prayer. And I'm not talking about the little, don't get me wrong, I love this, but I'm going to say it. You pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. There's something powerful in the fact that you can gather around each other and you can grab hands and you can pray with one another and you can call on the name of the Lord together. You can call and thank God for what he's done in your life together. You can call on him to help you in a situation together because when you do it one-on-one, that's one thing. But I'm telling you, there is something about coming together and praying with each other that says, Lord, we appreciate you together. We need you together. We need help together. So I do love, pray for me, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm telling you, if you haven't, grab the hand in a prayer circle. And somebody that needs prayer, if you're praying for them, there's power in that. There's power. So don't get disconnected. Don't just pray for somebody. I'll pray for you. It's going to be okay. Pray for one another. Think about this. There's nothing like prayer together. What did Christ do? He asked his friends to pray for him. When's the last time you've asked somebody to pray with you? Not for you. With you. Man, pray for me. I'm going through this. How about pray with me because I'm going through this? Think about that. So, I want us to look at another thing that Jesus did. Number two, he talked to his father. What did he talk about? Verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. I want us to look at that. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Think about this. Anybody ever had the little red exclamation point going off in your dashboard? Or maybe that orange uh, check engine light going off, kind of flashing at you? I get that sometimes. I do. And I got this little Chevy Cruze, man. It's a great little car. Emphasis on little. Okay? But my car is almost like a one of a kind. I've only seen three here in Coleman because it's a diesel. It gets 45 miles to the gallon or better, depending on how I'm driving. Great little car. But when that little check engine light starts doing this number, we're going to go to a place I don't like going. Not one bit. Because every time we go there, I leave, my wallet is lighter, and so is my bank account. Amen. No, I don't like it. But we wind up going to the dealership. We wind up going to the manufacturer. We go to the person that knows how to fix it. You ever had that little light go off in your life? It says, maybe right now is the time we need to go to the manufacturer. The one who made us. The one who created us. Who who knew us before we were even in our mother's womb. Go to the one that can fix your problems. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, when my anxiety is kicking in, I need to get to the manufacturer. I need to go to the guy that knows how to fix it. That's what Christ did. Christ went to his father. A, I think I missed the ape one there, but what he wanted, he talked to him about what he wanted. And he wanted, if this was all possible, let it pass from me. But B, what did he do? This part, what he did. Even Paul said, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and I know I said this verse earlier, but I, I do love it. Don't get me wrong. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, talk to your Father. In everything. Supplication just simply means by humbly asking Him. Earnestly asking God. And I know, like I said, I started out with that verse, but it wasn't the verse itself that I was talking about. 
It was the heart set behind the person speaking that verse, if you know what I'm saying. So if you're staring down at somebody because I am holier than you, I am better and closer to God than you ever thought. When you talk to people like that, that's not going to bring them into love. That's not going to bring them into Christ. Matter of fact, they're probably going to punch you in the face. Be careful. I'm just saying it's a crazy world we live in now. Present your request to God. And when you give it to God, the peace of God, which goes beyond all human understanding, he will guard you. It's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard you in Christ Jesus, right? So listen, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. It's big enough to talk to your father about. If you're worried about your marriage, talk to your father. If you're worried about your bills, talk to your father. If you're worried about your kids, talk to your father. If you're worried about your job, talk to your father. If you're worried, period, talk to your father. Talk to your father. He wants to hear from you. He wants to know what's going on. He knows what's going on, but he wants you to tell him what's going on. He wants to have that conversation with you. He wants to know how you're feeling. And I promise you, there's times where I'm yelling. I'm screaming. Like, goodness, Lord, why? 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 Does he answer wise? No, not at all. He'll answer a lot of hows. Like, how can I give you glory out of this situation that I'm going through now? He'll answer that. How can I show people your love more through this situation right now than just about five minutes ago when I was absolutely out of my mind, crazy mad? How can I give you the glory? He's going to answer those more than he's going to answer the whys. Because the why questions, that's more for us than him. I'm just saying, try it. You'll see. Remember, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's big enough to worry about, Big enough to pray about. Amen? Amen. What is anxiety? It's your own personal check engine light that needs to say, you need to talk to somebody, and you sure enough need to talk to God. You need to figure out what's going on, and your body's letting you know, hey, we got a problem. We need to go to the maker. Got a problem. Let's try to fix this. Mark 14, 35, and 36 says, and he went forward a little has fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And I know everybody don't want to touch Christ when it comes to whatever he said, but I want you to pay attention to what he's talking about. What is he saying? He's like, look, if it's possible, I don't want to do this. I don't want it. Being the son of God, he knows what's coming. I don't want it. But yet he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. said it twice. But here's the point. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Not me, but you. What really stands out to me right here is Christ's honesty. Honesty. He's not like us because we're going to try to bow up, man up, Pride up. Nah, I got this. Y'all just think preacher almost said, hold my beer, right? I'm just saying, y'all watch this, right? So think about it. What really stands out that he's praying from his heart. He's praying not some cookie cutter prayer. He's not praying something so y'all can hear me. Woo, I'm going to bless God with my words. Nah, no, dude said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want it. I don't want a part of it, but nevertheless, it's your will. It's not mine. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, he shows us that God cares for us, that he wants to hear from you, that he wants you to talk to him. We see it right here, casting all your cares upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Every bit of stuff you're going through. Every bit of anxiety that you got, every little bit of whatever is going on in your life, cast it onto him and be careful. Don't take it from him. Let him work it. Let him do it. Cast your concerns, cast your fears, cast your cares, cast your anxiety, all because he cares for you. 
He cares about you, and he loves you. And he understands your pain. He understands. But we have to talk to him about it. And I'm completely convinced that God would rather you yell at him, scream at him, get mad at him, but talk to him. When you get mad at him, don't turn your back on him. But get mad at him. It's okay. Because I think he's big enough. He can handle it. Right? But don't turn our backs. Don't let that lead us to sin and say, well, never mind, I don't even want all it. No. Talk to him just like you talk to your dad. Okay, most of us would talk to our dad. Some of us maybe. Okay, never mind. But talk to him like you would want somebody to talk to you. Right? I'm completely convinced that God would rather you talk to him than turn your back on him. Jesus called out to his father and he said, I'm in agony. I'm in pain. Is there any other way for this to happen? Y'all, we can do the same thing. Earnest prayer. Honest prayer. Heartfelt prayer. Talk to your father. Talk to your friends. Talk to your father. That's how we do this. You can even say I'm angry because of what's going on in my life. But let him handle it. Give him a chance, y'all. Give him a chance to fix it. Because we live in a society right now that is, I want it in two minutes or less. And if I can't get it in two minutes or less, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. Give it to God and then keep worshiping Him. Keep praising Him through the pain, through the anxiety, through the panic attacks where you can't even pick up your feet, through sitting on an airplane and about wanting to run out of the place because you can't breathe. Push through it. Trust through it. Talk to God. Talk to your friends. It works. It works. I want us to look at the third thing that Jesus did. Third thing he did was he talked to his feelings. Novel idea. Talking to yourself. A lot of us do it. Okay, if you ever drove a truck, tell me you have never talked to yourself. Come on now. Long time, long time on the road. Ain't nobody else to talk to. I'm about to talk to somebody, whether it's me and God. That's it. But... Okay, I guess I'm on the only one. All right, so A is we're going to look at what he felt. Mark, back at verse 36, what he felt. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. I know everybody here is not like this, but for me, I got some jacked up feelings sometimes. I got some messed up feelings that I have to talk to. I have to tell them, stop. In the society we live in, everybody tells you to follow your heart, follow the truth, follow your feelings. Don't. We can't do that. We can't. Brother Malcolm did a thing many years ago that absolutely blew my mind, and it sticks with me today. He talked about the faith train. Faith train and the locomotive, the part that pulls everything else, is where the Bible is. That's the facts. Unequivocal, un anything else. You can't second guess it. You can't second think it. That's the facts. And the next one is your faith. That's what you believe about the facts. All the way in the back. And you've seen those two mile long trains, right? All the way in the back. That's the caboose. That's where your feelings go. Because your feelings are going to lead you wrong. Your heart will lead you wrong. How do we know this? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This says our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Matthew says even more. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Adulterers, murderers, adulterers, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemy. That's our hearts. That's why we shouldn't follow our hearts. It's why we keep the heart way in the back. And you let the word of God lead your life. You make sure you talk to your feelings. Talk to your feelings. Don't get me wrong. You can feel your feelings. That's okay. It's an emotion. You can't help but feel it. You can't help feel anger. You can't help feel anxiety. You can't help be anxious sometimes. 
You just can't help it. But when those feelings lead you to sin and act on those feelings, that's when it's a problem. Let the facts of God's word lead the way and keep your faith in the caboose. Don't let your feelings do the driving, ever. The thing that I have to deal with is chronic PTSD. Chronic. It's never going to go away. It has gotten easier over the years. And I have my wife sitting right here to attest to it. There has been times where I have had to sit in the car at Walmart because I couldn't get out of the car and go inside. Especially during the, the Christmas time at Walmart. I don't think anybody needs to go inside. <laughs> no, I just can't. The elbow to elbow stuff, I'm out. There is times, and you know, she's sitting right there, she can tell you, there are times where I'm stuck in the car, but I need to be in the car. Because what am I doing? Talking to my friend, my wife, talking to my father, and I'm talking to my feelings. What is truth? What is lies? What is going on? Instead of this flood of adrenaline that I have, and my body's like, okay, we got all this energy. What are we going to do? Yeah, I'm going to hyperventilate. I'm going to break out into sweats. I'm going to get grumpy. And we're still sitting here. My body's like, dude, what's going on? We got all this. Why are we still sitting here? And my body's going like, I don't know. Chronic anxiety issues. They're crippling. You can't walk. You can't breathe. You can't talk. You can't be around people. That was me a few years back. But God. When you follow steps, when you follow Christ, and he did this many, many times throughout his lifetime. He did this in a way that is to teach us what we are supposed to do about situations in life. And just this right here, his honesty with his friends, his honesty with his father, and his honesty with his feelings should show us, yeah, you're going to have problems. Yeah, you're going to have issues. Yeah, there may be some anxiety stuff kicking in, but there's a way to get through it. There's a way to handle it that's going to lead you down a certain path that's not going to make you go to jail tomorrow because you acted on your feelings. That's not going to make you have to deal with the cops because you beat somebody up. That's not going to make you absolutely fall apart in the middle of Walmart and have to run out because you can't handle it. Ask me that, how that happens. I've been there. I've done that. Like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to go. That's been a few years back. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to close up here soon. But a really good friend of mine, back when I was going through some, I mean, the worst times of my life, a really good friend of mine that's in this room tonight, told me something years ago that really started helping me. He said, get yourself a notebook. In that notebook... Draw a line down the middle of the paper. On one side, write down all those triggers, those things that set you off, those things that happened into your life, those things that the devil keeps telling you that you're worthless, those voices of my dad telling me what kind of a person he thought I was, those voices of you're never going to amount to nothing. On the other side of that, you write down what God says. You write down that God says you're called out. You're a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. You are called out of the darkness and into the light. Why? Because of what Christ did and how God sees you. Those are the kind of things that are going to help you overcome anxiety more than anything else. Anything else. Now, yes, I understand there's chemical imbalances. There are issues that need to be talked through. I am talking about spiritual fixing. Spiritual. Talk to your friends. Talk to your father. Talk to your feelings. That's how we get through. Day, that's how I get through day by day. I have to do that every single day. And if I don't, by the time I get home, I probably should just move back into a tent. And my wife is going, yes, you're right. Because mm -hmm. I'm grumpy. I'm mean. I'm angry. I'm just shaking inside so much because I haven't talked to my father. I haven't talked to a friend. I haven't talked to my feelings. I've just gone through, flying through the day by the seat of my pants. Does it work? Absolutely. Is it easy? No.
But is it doable? You better believe it. You better believe it. So without that, what happens? Without that, in our minds, we set up scenarios about each situation that's happening in our life. In our minds, we see this little thing. I'm going to like pet this because next Saturday, I don't know what's going to happen, but here's what I want to happen. This could be, you know, a life-altering thing or at work, you know. You, somebody you got in a fight with or, or a cussing match with at work or something, and you go back the next day. But in between that time, you have absolutely built this situation, its own little world. This own little, well, this is what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to say this if they say this. Or I'm going to do this if they do that. Well, I'm going to, and whatever it is, you're going to turn it to whether I'm the good guy or I'm the bad guy, but I'm going to be the guy. No matter what. It's going to come out to where I'm the best. And when we get into it, it goes nothing like you planned. Ever. Every situation. It's always like that. It goes nothing like you planned. So if we stay connected with our friends, we stay connected to a father, and we talk to our feelings, that's how we get through that kind of stuff. That's how we know that Christ got through this. And we can do the same example as Christ. Not going off on a guy that just cut me off in traffic. Not going off. I don't like being a nice guy sometimes. I just don't. Cut me off in traffic. I take it personal. It's personal. Right? Well, okay. There again. It's only me. But (laughs) it's personal. But it's not personal at all. That's where you have to talk to your feelings and tell them maybe they're having a bad day too. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe somebody's in the hospital. They're trying to get there quicker. I say that now, and my wife's looking at me going, yeah, how come you don't do that more often? I'm just saying, it happens. Now see, I want to get to see before we're all done. I'm almost out of time. But what is the truth? What is the truth? And this is what we have to remind ourselves of, okay? I want you all to get this part more than anything else. John 3.16, you all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you think you've done something that's just dumb, God loves you. When you think you can't even love yourself, God loves you. When you think that nobody else in the world could care anything else about you, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. I'm not talking about us. I'm not talking about they. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. Personal. Me. Died on the cross for me. Cares what I think. Cares what I'm going through. Cares on how I feel. He cares. God loves you. Church, if nobody has said it to you in a long time, God loves you. Remember that. Remember that. Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. When you're feeling alone, God's with you. How do we know? It's in the Bible. Remember that. When you're going through stuff, Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. What does that say? When you're having anxiety issues over your finances, God says he's got to take care of. Settle down. Let him do it. Let him work through it. You trust in him and let him do the work. 1 John 4.4 Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We are overcomers. We, not just me, we are overcomers. Don't let the devil have something that God's promised you and you turn your back on it. Because the only way he can take it from you is if you give it to him. You have to be the one to say, just take my joy. Just, Just take it. I can't do it. Just take, no. Remember, God loves you. God is for you. 1 Peter 2.9, this one I love. But ye are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, unholy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into the light. Simple as that. We are a peculiar people. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Not at all. Before we leave, I don't want y'all to forget this. Don't forget this. Please, if you're dealing with anxiety, do not forget this. Talk to your friends. If I don't have any friends, I'll give you my number. I promise you, there's somebody that will be willing to love you just the way you are, no matter what. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've acted. I don't, I don't care what people think of you. You need somebody to talk to. And if you need that, see me right after this. If you ain't got it, let's talk. I promise you, somebody cares for you. The man upstairs, God loves you. Don't forget it. He talked to his friends. He talked to his father. And he talked to his feelings. And look what happened, y'all. What happened? It worked. It worked. Right? Because when he was on the cross, when he was going to the cross, as a matter of fact, he was, and I know I'm over time, but he was going to the cross. And he told him, no man can take my life. I lay it down. No man can do anything to me unless I tell him they can. By that time, he was so resolute. He was standing strong because his father had his back. And he knew where he was going. He knew what he needed to do because God loved him. And we'll say it again. He talked to his friends. He talked to his father. And he talked to his feelings. By that time, he was done. Right? Here we go. Let's do it. Let's go.